This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, boys and ghouls. This is Martin. And yes, it's Halloween. <laughs> Nick and I have taken the week off, so uh, I've got this panel that I recorded at Heroes Con 2017 a few months back, and I've just kind of been holding it, waiting for uh, the right time to release it. And what better time than now? We'll be back next week. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Geekvine, at Nick Wetmore, and at Nerd Legion. And uh, enjoy the panel. Uh, I'm Joe Rauch. I'm the moderator of this panel. This is uh, sort of part two of uh, a day of horror panels. I'm here at Heroes Con. At, uh, about the you know, 11 o'clock hour, we had a panel with the artists. And now we're going to have a session with uh, some of the writers. So uh, here today, I've got uh, Paul Jenkins and Donny Cates. Uh, Evan Morgan will be here at some point, maybe. Uh, we'll be here at some point. But the whole time, we'll be guys Hi, my name is Tony. I write a bunch of panel books. Uh, <laughs> uh, some of which I suppose are quite scary. Uh, I write a book called uh, uh, Redneck at Skybound, and I just have a new book that came out called Baby Teeth. It's about the Antichrist, which was sweet. I don't, I don't, really, <laughs> I don't know if it's that scary. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've, uh, that's it, really. Um, when I was a little boy, so I used to pick up that stuff all the time. 
Uh, I don't think that my grandmother, who was one of the comments, had any idea what she was speaking of. Um, but we said all this crazy stuff, and so I, I, was, I was like really good normal over there, getting really cool EC reprints. Yeah, I think probably the same. I, I grew up um, with, uh, I, I think, like the first, um, I don't know, you wouldn't really call it a horror book now, but when, when I was a kid, the old black and white Conan magazines were just brutal. They were really, really, really hardcore, and uh, my grandma used to take them away from me all the time, and so I had to have them more. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of bored when it comes to that. Like I grew up reading Stephen King, love all of Stephen King stuff, uh, and then you know Freddie and Jason. I'm not. I'm not wild about horror stories that don't have a hero. Um, I, I, I don't love horror where like you know it's scary, but someone's gonna beat the crap out of Freddie at the end of the film, and he's gonna get de- defeated. I'm not really into the torture porn stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so same way, we work like uh, comics and that I found the woods and stuff, you know, and all that stuff, and then into the films and stuff. I missed the question. What happened is I had a lot of Hey, what's going on? Inspirations, how did you uh, get into horror? What did you get into horror? What sort of horror stuff did you get into? I'm a full. Um, I'm sorry, but I'm losing a chain of thought here. I like I was a geek for everything growing up. I mean, just everything. I mean, I mean, I was a comedy geek, horror, everything, game shows. I mean, I was raised by television, and New York television had everything. I mean, if you can watch all of the documentaries, I like everything. I didn't write horror comics until years, but it's something that I always wanted to do. The EC connection I have as well. A friend of mine, I was sick. I, can, I mean, I can remember these two books that he gave me. I was 10 years old and I was sick, so he gave me comics. I was a Marvel movie, so I never read any of these. But one was a DC book that had my in it, so I ended up doing that my comic a few years ago, um, based on this. And the other was an EC, this was Solomon Press, who was doing reprints of scripts. And it was uh, one story from each artist in there. And this book, Absolutely wrong for me. It was just, I was terrified from it. I, mean, I always talk about how hard comics really aren't scary, but at a certain age, when you're reading Peanuts and <laughs> and, and Marvel Happy Comics, you know, and Superman Smiling, and then you read Shoe Button Eyes, uh, which is a happy story about a dead kid, um, and it's just awful. Of course, yes, then you want more. But I was never a horror comics fan as a kid. I wouldn't even buy uh, Son of Satan. I liked superheroes only. But I did like horror movies, monster movies. And I liked, as I got older, I really got into Lovecraft stuff, all stuff. I uh, came back around to the city uh, for those box sets when I worked in the comic store. The first thing I bought when I worked in the convention was you went to the first First class of five books I worked a year, two dollars credit. Uh, prior to that, mile and a half, I still have it. And that was just, I was just, I just love that. I mean, I love comics, so the half horror comics was just awesome because they were funny, but they were creepy. So to have people playing a baseball game with body parts and laughing at that <laughs> kind of is my two, that's my two favorite horror comedy. And, um, and feeling sick. 
over something that you saw that's just wrong. Yeah. So you hope you can get that reaction out of people uh, too. Uh, in Peace of Burden, what we mostly have been doing is making people sad, which wasn't the intent. <laughs> um, but horror and comedy are interesting because you're trying to actually do something successful that if you, can, you know you're going to fail 50% of your audience probably. They're not going to laugh or they're not going to care. Um, superheroes, you, you know, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's hard actually to do superhero stuff because it's done so much. But if you're trying to get a joke or you're trying to make people feel uneasy or deal with their fears, you will fail 100% if you don't do your job. And they will go, I'm not scared or I'm not laughing. And they're linked to me that way. So that's why I like horror comedies also. Sorry. So what, what, do you, uh, what do you all see as the, the keys to writing effective horror? What's, uh, what works, what doesn't? I know you all sort of approach it maybe in a little bit different way. Okay, so you. Um, okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's weird. I, I, I don't actually, I, I wouldn't label myself as a writer of horror. Um, this, I, when, when Red Knight came out, which is about vampires, so I, I suppose I, I, I see what, you know, going on. You know, we like to hang a little kid and set him on fire and he'll burn the So I, like, I get it, right? But I, I never, I never set out to, I've never sat down and, and thought, oh, I'm going to make a horror comic. Uh, it's always just been about the characters and what they're going through and, um, you know, making them scared of things rather than trying to make, um, rather than trying to make the audience scared. That, that makes any sense. If you can put, if you can make someone fall in love with a character and want to follow them and then put them in some, uh, really, uh, really awful situations where you are scared for them. That's a kind of a different feeling than because in comics we can't really do much of like the jump scares kind of thing. You know, it's tough. Um, I mean, certainly there's ways to do it, but I don't know. I I I, I say I'm not a writer of horror, but like my new book's about the Antichrist. But really, it's about it's about just like this 16 year old girl who's trying to raise her baby, and and just it's it's like the most like loving and sweet book that I've ever done. It has more in common with like Strange in Paradise or like Paper Girls or like something that's kind of like kind of softer and quieter. But then yeah, I mean occasionally like there's some wild Satan type shit that goes down, you know. Um, but I feel like if you don't build that um, that base of your characters of people caring about your, you know, again it goes back to what I was talking about with I like I like a hero in a horror story. Because when it's just a bunch of random nameless people who go into a house and just start getting chopped up, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't know I, if they're all going to die and the, and the bad guy is not going to get away. Or, you know, what I mean, where he, where he is, then why would you? To me, I don't know. So, so what makes a good hero for harm? Um, someone who learns kung fu in their dreams and fights crazy. This is my first example that I could go to. No, I, I think that um, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell is a great answer to that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Bruce, have to have a hero. If you, if you need someone on your side, Ash is the. Actually, Peter Cushing might be my second choice. Too. I love Peter. But he is good as a villain. That's why he's nuts. Yeah. You mean my? And this is just me speaking of like the, 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 the types of things I enjoy. I um, I take no pleasure from a character who has zero um, agency. He's just a victim the entire time. Um, uh, certainly, there's like you want to do that at certain points, but you have to earn it. Like if there's a point in 
and, and baby teeth where the main character Sadie, who's 16, if, if I've written a scene in which she's completely helpless and can't do anything about it, I want that, like, I'm, we're gonna, we're gonna build up to that for a long time. Because I want you as the reader to feel as hopeless as she does. And then that's not gonna happen unless you get to know her. And you know, like, what types of, um, responses that she'll have to these things. Um, so I don't really know if it's, uh, if I'm answering your question, really. Um, but certainly chainsaw hands are fucking cool too. Yeah. Paul, any thoughts on another hero or what you see as keys to? I mean, I mean, I think what Donnie said is it's, it, it's the same rules for part to some extent, at least for any story, right? You don't care about the people in the fight, you don't care about the fight, right? So, so what are we doing? We're writing stories about the people, and it's usually, uh, if you read it or watch it, it's a mirror held up to you because you're reflected in the story, right? It's all about emotions and all that. Yeah. Those, those are universal to any kind of story, and, um, recently I was working on a, a panel on a, and so I gave a speech at the thing called Future X Live, which is about the, the future of storytelling in, in VR and AR, which we do in the studio a little bit. And, um, and the answer to what's the future of storytelling is the same as it's always yeah, been. Yeah, that's kind of how we tell stories, man. What is it about horror that works? Well, first, first rule is going to be people, right? If you populated your story with people, and that's exactly what you mean by the hero. Like, if I don't care about anybody in this film because they're cannon fodder, then why am I going to right. sit there and watch it? I'm not going to stick with it for more than five minutes. So that's our primary job, is to make sure that we show the people. Uh, the theory on horror, I think, what Aaron said a little bit, is actually, frankly, they're, they're really tied in humor in many similar ways, because they're, they're extremes, and I think you have to judge some folks. This horrific stuff, I think, something that gives you a break, because it makes the horrific stuff uh, even more effective. So you need a bit of humor, you need a bit of respite, and that kind of stuff. And then finally, I mean, for me, I, I think it's, it sort of depends on what your definition of horror is, so that's a whole new different question. But but to some extent, I mean, I, I wrote, uh, years ago I wrote The Origin of Wolverine, and I remember getting to a point where I wrote a scene where this dog, this little dog, and I love animals, and there's loads of them, they're all rescued, and I had to write that someone took the dog and cut its throat, and I, I didn't want to write it. Yeah. I felt awful writing it. I, I was, felt like really drained after I finished it, and pretty sullen for a couple of days, so just, and I thought to myself, actually I learned something from that, which is that was a horror moment, that was, yeah. that took me out of my comfort zone, and I had to write it, so it wasn't even tied to humor, it actually, I, so I think the definition to some extent of horror is taking people away from what they're comfortable with, mm-hmm. and letting them explore that little bit, that's part of it. I think the horror also, I mean, you're talking about different styles of kind of interpreting the idea of horror, right, when you really look back at the history of comics, and really kind of most art, um, most art uh, is responding to whatever people are afraid of at the time, right? Um, in the 30s and the 40s, you get things like Captain America and all these things because people were fucking terrified of the war, right? And then, you know, you start to get into the 60s and everyone's terrified of the nuclear bomb. And then all of a sudden, there's everyone is getting their powers from, you know, like giant, giant, giant nuclear bombs. And then, yeah, and, then, and so I think, and then you go into the 80s and you see reactions to things people were terrified of. Yeah, it's like, like, like drugs. So when we say crack is terrible, yeah, you, know, you, know, you don't get the Dark Knight Returns uh, without Reagan. Oh, the Empire is also came back for the AIDS epidemic. That's not an accident. Yeah, so I think that everything is at a certain point. I think I would. I think that you guys would both agree that. Um, when I'm writing something, it's it's um, it's staying in my head for a reason. Like it's 
it, it is, you know, I think as writers, we all have a, a lot of ideas, but the ones instead of that, that stick around, stick around for a reason. And for me, it's always unanswered things, it's things I need to think about, it's things I need to, a, 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 a road I need, I need to go down. And it's through. usually the worst roads. Yeah, it's, it's always the worst it's roads. Death of yeah. Yeah. Well, God, man, is a book that I wrote, we're all doomed. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to get out of this. God, God came to the book I wrote after I had a, um, I had a, I had like a really profound health experience where I kind of almost died. I had an organ failure. Um, I, I turned thirty and like just like almost instantly died. And so I'm okay now, so it's fine, right? But it was terrifying, right? And so um, I came out of that wanting to talk about death and everything, you know. And so I don't think, um, you know, I. I'm sure we've all had the experience as writers of you write something and then a, a few years go by and you go, oh shit, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what that was about. Holy shit. Yeah. You wish you knew at the time. Yeah, it's totally. totally. Yeah. Less therapy. That's, less that's, honestly, that's why I don't read my stuff for like two years after. Yeah. Well. I don't even look at it. I don't even think about it. And about two years go by. Then, so if a new issue comes out, I don't touch it. No, yeah. Two years go by, and then I look at it and I go, well, oh, now I know what was happening. Right. Everything's autobiographical. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Stuff. I mean, baby teeth is a book. I'm sorry. I don't want to say this one. I was just saying, I chose steamroll people. I'm very happy to hear that. I feel like I'm getting like, like overly personal like over and over again, but I don't mean to. Um, I'm, about, I'm about to. In a minute. Okay, so, all right, right, right. So, like, you know, baby teeth um, is is you know, while it's about the the Antichrist, um, it's one of those things where I didn't even realize it until the book came out that there was like some like reviewers or something brought up a few points that I didn't know were in there. That I, I was like, oh wow, yeah, I guess that's there. Because um, my wife and I, uh, we've been we've been married for six years, but we've been together for like fourteen. And uh, we recently discovered that it's going to be, if we wanted to have kids, it's going to be like really, really, really hard. Um, so that was kind of a bummer and a shock. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I just happened to start writing a story about a 16 year old girl giving birth to a baby and then destroying her world and like writing about baby and mom stuff. Like, shy. Like, you know, the, um, if anyone's going to be superb, it's about animals. Um, so I, I find it very difficult to write because well, Beast of Earth wasn't supposed to be a series, it was an eight page story. Uh, I wasn't supposed to be writing horror. Uh, I write dairy products that hit people and dumb stuff like that. So people, like, don't, people are like, well, you feel know, really good at it. I tried to write a pregnant series for Dark Horse many years ago, and the editor said, and I said, can I write one? And they said, oh, it can't be funny. So it took, me, it took me a long time to start writing the other genre that I really like. And um, the weird thing that happened was Beast was an eight-page story and, um, for Dark Horse Book of Hauntings. And I knew that, oh, I love haunted house stories. Scott Alley knew that I loved horror stuff and he'd always been trying to get me to do something. And I sort of thought, I'll do a haunted dollhouse. Not knowing the M.R. James story or probably a million other ones. I couldn't make it work. So a haunted doghouse. You know, high concept. You've got eight pages. So it ends up being kind of worship down, exorcist thing. I realize that's where it's headed. And the characters, as we're talking about, I love supporting characters who show up. And in old comics, Marvel, who was good at this? Stephen King's good at this. There's a lot of people. If the guy is, in old movies, if the guy's a soda jerk or something, you can sort of remember, remember how interesting he was. He has a thing. Yeah. The woman, the cigarette girl, is interesting. She's a or this character. 
known as poor, because Franklin Penguin is always at the hotel and does a weird bit of business. I, I want every page to count, every panel to count, every character to have some sort of, as if they leave the stage, they have a life. Right. But, so these characters, I've tried to make all eight of them really interesting, even though you're only going to be with them for eight pages. And Jill and I, Jill Thompson and I did the story, and people liked it. We ended up doing another one, and we did it for each subject. And the third one, we realized we kind of were developing a world, but the problem was we have these animals, and animals fight dirty. And even though this was a storybook kind of approach to this, there's death and there's depression. Has anybody read it? Yeah. Okay, the thing about it is that what happened was we did the story lost about the, the book. We did the story lost in the miniseries, and um, that was mildly frustrating. Fearful and free floating anxiety about what, what would I feel if anything happened to my daughter. And then becoming, it's, it's, I got an inkjet, like, I've never been afraid of anything in my life. Like, I'm, I stand up to anything. I, nothing really bothers me that much. Then I became a dad, and I would wake up in the middle of the night. This is your horror story. Yeah. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I would wake my wife up and say, Sweetheart, you know the, the intersection by Publix? Can you be really careful when you drive through there? Because oh I love my kids so I, much, I was killing me. I, I sometimes feel like I was getting in the car yeah. and going to Target. There's horror because I do not want. want I don't want them out of my sight. Yeah. Because, so that's, but this plays into what I, what happened in Beast of Bird. We have several stories where Jill's cried on the page, and I have a, one page where there's a teardrop. You can see where it hit the watercolor, and it's funny because Brian Harris or Ellis, what did you do? You know, because <laughs> she's all like upset after the meeting we had with Scott because there's a character that I know. Years from now, what's going to happen to this character? And I broke down crying in my car. Yeah. Because I'm like, this is what should happen, but I don't want this to happen. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, have you ever, either you ever planned a death of someone that when it came time? I don't know. Ace, Ace was supposed to die in the werewolf story. Yeah. And everybody yelled at me, and right? I could not pull the trigger. Yeah. Made it as sad as possible. I wanted people to think that the world was coming. Yeah. That the black dog was over him, and that this was yeah. it. And. I look at the pages and I'm like, there are times where I've read a story and I don't want to, Jill's like, I don't want to. The story Lost is about a mother looking for her two children. It ends very badly. There is a kid who is doing what you talked about with your dog. He's collecting trophies. He's a future serial killer. Um, he gets his, but the story doesn't end well. The last page is um, it's very hard to write. It's, it's a, I thought it was a beautiful scene. I was thinking about um, Shelley Winter's dead body. In um, um, what's the blanking? Sorry, the Charles Lawton film uh, that he made with um, Bob Mitchum, Love Dave, Night of the Hunter. There's an amazing scene where her body is floating in the water. It's beautiful and it's sad and terrifying. And I, that is the image we had from the pond where the boy was throwing, was weighing down all the animals and throwing their skulls. And it ends on a weirdly happy note, but it's one that we've been. A lot of people stopped reading the book after that. You know, you know, one thing I wanted to just That was my fear. Yeah. That was my fear. And real quick, the issue that we just did last year, that's about bad parenting. It's the flip side. It's about my mother. It's about myself. It's about somebody who should not have kids. And the different character is going to have to really work, I think, to get into some people's hearts again because it was about people being raised wrong and raising other people wrong. It was about people who are living and growing, but a lot of the parenting and, and, um, and that that issue got so bad that I my wife had to co-write it with me because I could not uh, I was stretching up stuff about my own life about my own um, 
And yeah, what, what, what I was going to bring up—that makes it tougher. Right? What I was going to bring up is, is that uh, I don't know if this is the same for you guys. I'm just about to go ask my question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it's you guys, but when when I am um, writing effective horror, it's because I'm in a good mind frame, so I can deal with it. Uh-huh. And uh, if I'm stressed out or going through something really hard. Um, I find humor much easier to write. I can do yeah. that. Yeah. I love doing humor, I but I need to. I need to be able to kind of take a breath and go in my lines and be able to write the horror. So I can only do it when I'm in a good place. And I, I don't think my horror is very effective if I'm struggling or stressed out or anything like that. Um, then I'm like, I don't have the mental energy. So you can't be like in a good place. It's writing, like, I'm, I'm writing a book right now that hasn't been announced yet, but it is. Just far and away the most incredibly dark thing I've ever written. Uh, it's it's brutal uh, to the point where I always every issue that I write and I, I put on a specific song. I try and find like a, a, a mostly like symphonic stuff because I can't write with like words and everything. And you could go a bunch of stuff. Okay, cool. Um, and I like to always embed it in in the script itself so the artists can kind of share my headspace. I don't know if it's ever worked or if they've ever even opened it. I, I do. So, I do. So, I can't do that as a computer, but I do soundtrack my stuff. I've got a horror playlist. I've got a you know happy ending. Yeah, like sad endings like this. And then I've got Laurie Anderson from when I have to stay up all night. Keep drawing. This this new book I'm writing though is. Um, I had I struggled so hard to find music to to attach to it because the um, this will all make a lot of sense after next month when it's announced what this thing I'm doing is. But the character that I'm writing is such a dark character that he is he is in and of himself antithetical to the idea of art or like like just like uh, symphonies or anything. And so I had to find just like um, Radiohead. <laughs> I found like like old like tuned down like like tuned down like where it's barely audible great like Gregorian chants. So it's just like it's just that, right? And so I like I just listened to that all day. That's like John Cage medieval music. Dude, and I and my wife will come home. And like, oh, she'll know when I'm writing that book that day because she'll come in and she'll be like, hey, honey, I'm home. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. And she's like, oh, you're doing that one. Okay. Like, that one has given me legit nightmares. Like, I've gone to bed at night and, and, and like, that character followed me into my dreams and I was not okay with it. That's I, usually the best work, though. I love it. I love it. I've, I've like tapped into this, uh, this, uh, there's something quite, it's as visceral of a feeling of writing a a, 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 a scene in which a character wins is is in like everything comes you know uh, perfectly like a plan comes you know that it, it's a, it's as fun. I would write dreamt of a plan coming to the the, the, yeah. the other way sometimes sometimes to, to go the other way and just outright just like take out all your anger and all the things that piss you off and just like take it out on people in this book. I had a, I, the book, um, Redneck I do, um, I, I, uh, I, if you, any of you have read it, I wrote this essay kind of thing in the back of issue two, because, um, issue two came out, but I'm writing currently, I just turned in issue 16, so I'm like crazy far ahead, um, and so I wrote this thing in the back explaining to them, I printed a picture of my cat, and I explained to them that, Hey, just a heads up. 
um, my cat just died. And you might not think that that's very pertinent, but my cat was sitting in my lap while I wrote the issue that you just read, and she died in between issues 13 and 14. So I want you to keep that in mind for when you read issues 14, if things start to get wildly out of control and really fucking dark, know that those characters are being harmed in part by a small little cat that is no longer here. Like, I just took it all out on this book. It's, I don't know, it can be cathartic to be It's really what Paul said about uh, mood, because the issue that we turned, the, the issue that of Beast of Burden that we turned in, that, we, that my wife had to help me with because it was getting too much into my childhood and a lot of things that were uh, upsetting me. It was supposed to be comedy. The whole issue was supposed to be comedy. It was plotted years. Like several years. We have a lot of bad time between issues when Jimmy gets done. And um, it was supposed to be a Lovecraft uh, parody of just old tropes, kind of, I guess, more journalism, because journalism is a parody. I don't think he knew it, but uh, and it, was, it somehow went from a comedy about demons and all that blah 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 talk to a you know parenting issues, terrible ending comedy. And I don't, my, I, I, I wonder if it's because my frame shifted so much during it that mm-hmm. I could not shift gears. Well, it on the page just got worse. I think worse. I think part of it is like. And then, well, <laughs> like, part of it is, is like, if you think about, like, what's actually horrifying to any of us as human beings, it's not really seeing Bruce Campbell's smash up even dead people. Like, so, like, it's this or crazy blood and that, you know, yeah, how it's kind of funny, right? What's terrifying to us is situations. And so, yeah. uh, I remember uh, when I wrote Hellblazer, one of my favorite issues that I had written was. Um, about a guy who I actually met. He was a Dunkirk and he walked in and out with the tide trying to keep his rifle dry and shot half his hand off. So he spent three three days trying to walk in and out uh, with the tide and trying to survive and he lost blood and he was so tired walking in these sandbanks that he was about to fall over and go to sleep and somebody fished him out of the water. But what was horrifying about that story was actually what was going through his head. He um, he had a girl that he loved in, in Britain and he, and he thought, I'll, I'll survive for her and I'll see her when I come back. This is, this is in the story now. And um, when he gets home, he finds that she's gone off with someone else. So the horror wasn't whether or not. And so in the end, he haunts her and he, you know, he has all this kind of stuff coming on. But the horrific idea that you would be surviving just because of someone that you love and you're ready to go and then you get every part of your world collapses. That to me is horror. Yeah, right. that's horror. The, the, the horror stuff that we think of, but but the, the yeah, crazy it's shoes, the stuff that we like to have on a T-shirt yeah. or or a model figure of it. But really, it's the anxieties. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the social stuff, and it's what's eating away at you at the time yeah. that you created it. That it's it's not getting chased by anything. No. Um, so so I wanted to say that the, the other part of it was that, that um, when I was doing Hellblazer, um, my wife actually. When I met her, she's like, you're really nice. Why do you write this crazy stuff? And, and I said, I'll read this one. So I had this one issue of Hellblazer that was totally somewhat a joke, and it was about a bulimic gymnast. Because um, I had read Hilarious. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the joke. Yeah. But she, um, I had read a Sports Illustrated article about how gymnasts were being abused by their parents and being told, like, you're fat, stick something to work. They're tiny. So they would get rid of the limic and then they would try to tumble and their bones would be brittle and they would break their bones and some girl had died. And I was really annoyed about that. I wanted to write about it. So I put it in the book. And in my book, 
the polluted gymnast gets filled with the soul of Bacchus, kills the father, and then eats him because they cannot put back and cannibalize their victims. And then because she doesn't want to be fat, she... That sounds great. <laughs> My wife read it, and she's like horrified. Like, what? How did you think of this? And I'm like, I, I thought of it. I watch you while you're sleeping. She's like, ah! <laughs> it's, it's, that's romantic. <laughs> but it's, it's, the horror of that story has nothing to do with chewing and the back ends and all. Yeah. It's everything to do with um, how awful it is to watch a young girl be mistreated so badly in a public environment. Yeah. And that's the horror of it. Have so we've got to pick into it. Have you ever been, either of them, have you ever been pulled back? From in her, so someone says maybe this is a little bit because I have I I, <laughs> yeah. I went way too hard on an issue one time but, yeah uh, I can remember it doing Hellblazer and I had um <sighs> Chris Park this was a true scene this literally happened to me so I was on a train from Massachusetts down in New York and I had a T-shirt on so I like Pope Pope smokes dope <laughs> and his picture of John Paul and he had a joint in his hand he was like laughing but they had airbrushed like the joint in yeah. and um, I ended up sitting across from uh, a couple of nuns and they were just staring at me and I was like what? <laughs> so and I put it in the book and my editor said no way really? and changed it to the character having a no coat hanger sign about abortion and that, which I thought was That's 50 way times worse. So much worse. DC's always been very comfortable. When I was working at Marvel, Marvel wasn't even paying attention, yeah. so I was just putting band names on everything, and now uh, they're like, we get sued for half of this stuff. DC's always like, a, they were so afraid of retailing somewhere in Wisconsin was going to get upset that yeah. they would just go out of their minds. But I don't think I've, I've, been, I've been lucky or not lucky uh, because I'm usually all for my own. But um, nobody from Deadline was going to tell me anything. You know, um, I'm, I'm either doing kids' books where I really know the limits, and, you know, or I'm doing something where I'm just allowed to uh, burn down Trump Tower like Milton Cheese did. Oh God, do I wish they really did it? And um, yeah, I mean, so I don't get I don't get and I don't have any too many problems with that. Actually, when I was working on Predator stuff, I had a because they still were jittery. It was very oh, early. License. So character, yeah, but it wasn't, the, it wasn't 20th Century Fox. It was Dark Horse was afraid of language. And, and I'm, I'm pleading with Chris Warner, and he agreed he with me. It wasn't yeah. Chris. Chris, if you've met Chris, I love Chris. Yeah. And Chris, I'm like, if you see your best friend's head hanging at it, you know, it's a jock strap for a predator, you're not going to say, oh, down. Yeah. Oh, damn. Oh, heck. I'm like, you're going to start, you know. Fouling up the air, yeah. But you, but I can show the head hanging. You can't yeah, say that, but I can't say. Oh, I can't have a strong reaction to this horrific act of violence. But that that was about it. Every otherwise, it's just yeah, kick, you know, burn babies, right. set them on fire, yeah. push them with the cards for a life. Well, I, 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 I in, in in an issue of Redneck, I. Um, for those of you who haven't read it, spoiler alert for the first issue. Uh, there's violence. There's just some shit goes down. Uh, one of their own, it's not a family of vampires who live in East Texas and they try to live like a peaceful life, but it's, it doesn't go on. Um, one of their own, their youngest, they're the smallest boy. Uh, they wake up the next morning after some shit goes down and he's hung from a tree and he's on fire. He's dead. Right? Um, and so I thought that was pretty fucked up. Because um, it's, it's being settled in oil fire, right? Um, and so I, the next issue was supposed to be 
uh, an appropriate response to such a thing, where the the boys of the family go into town and just start murdering everyone. I really wanted to do it to the, my thinking was I wanted to do this thing where because we follow the Bowman family, which are these vampires, and um, I wanted the audience to really like them and to kind of be on their side, you know, and then like feel with them and like feel them, feel about them the way you would about a family. But then quickly in issue two, remind the audience that like, oh yeah, no, they're fucking monsters. <laughs> like they're like a pack of lions, and like they're gonna go do some heinous stuff. So I like. They like can't go into churches, right? Because it's like hallowed ground. So they just like filled a truck up with gasoline and just like drove it into it and like jumped out of it, exploded it, and like let everybody burn in the church. And they found out where this dude was and he was in a hospital and uh, they just were like walking in the hallways of this, uh, of this, uh, of this like ER room, just like murdering people with shotguns, like just like walking down the hall. I think that's like the GOP help. I'm just going to listen. And they like find this guy who's in surgery and they like rip all these tubes out of him and shit. It was in yes, and it was the GOP. And, 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 and my editor was like, dude, this is uh they were like your your audience like your his point was like your audience is not gonna root for these two characters anymore. Like they're not gonna like these two characters, and I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. That's it's, that's what I want. I want the audience to like be in a weird headspace where they're like, I I just liked these characters, but now oh fuck, like they're monsters. You it's know? good tension though. I mean, I think but, I don't think it's a problem because to his people playing you know Grand Theft Auto and stuff. Right, everybody is really nervous. The month they're spending some money, it's usually somebody else's money. But to their point, it, it, it ended up being a good note uh, because it's a it's something that. We, I ended up, I ended up taming it down. You took out a few shotgun guys. I took out a lot because when that eventually does happen, it's a good moment, but it, we need to earn it more than than like dropping it in the issue. Uh, you know, we need to we need we need to earn it more. So I definitely got backed off on that on that one. Uh, questions from the audience. I think that you have to earn a lot in our mm-hmm. like you were saying earlier. I mean, if you do not care. I mean, audiences will get off on a saw and things like that. And I remember going to horror movies in the 80s every week and like everybody else, pumping my fist and cheering whenever somebody got split open or whatever. It was sort of a joke. But the movies that matter, right? you know, are the ones where it's, even if they're as gross and over the top, but if you really want this person to get through, and they don't always have to live. I mean, a lot of horror is about not letting society rebuild and not letting your fears be sure. believed. I mean, um, or there's always some element of it where you, you can even win, like in Shadow of in Smith, but you can win and lose at the same time. Well, my favorite horror so, film is um, the Rob Zombie one, the sequel to The House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, yeah. Help me out. The Devil's Rejects is amazing because uh, the band of like serial murderer family are the heroes. Like, they're like, they're a bunch of like outlaws, and you're like, you find yourself rooting for them because the cops are after them, and it's like a Wild West, like, outlaw thing. And like, you, it, it's this fun game that, that it plays where as it goes along, you find yourself being like, oh no, wait, no, they should definitely get caught. So is it, they're fucking terrible people. Is it, it's more like, is it more like horror? Because the truth is, that, like, aren't you horrified uh, when you watch a movie like that and you're like, I kind of like it? Yeah. 
you've seen Near Dark, right? Yeah, oh God, Near Dark. That's, that's amazing. amazing. That's, yes. a, that's a nice balance of I'm attracted and repelled by these yes, characters. 100%. They're the funniest characters. They're a clan. I hate the people that you're dealing with, but they're awful. Yeah. Well, this is the whole also thing. It's a crime film. I mean, the crime films are really weird. Yeah, things because Tony Sopranos and you're, you're, you're watching a movie where these people are doing horrible things, but there's, you are spending all that time with them. So if you're watching even the original Scarface, you are rooting for your, your protagonist knowing that they're a villain because you're, you're, you're involved with their, with the outcome and you're spending the hour and a half with this person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you even want, you're watching something you hate and if you spend enough time with them, you become Invest protected. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, goes back to what I said. Sorry, I was going to say, goes back to that thing about being outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Right? And you think about the Sopranos, think about that scene where yeah. they chase someone down through a forest and, and the guy's pissing him on him and he's getting poison ivy. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so that's somewhat funny, but at the end result is someone getting capped. Goodfellas yeah. so has you, How, how awful are we to, to laugh at that? But then you. That's well, great. Well, you did. I mean, I mean, Constantine. I mean, Constantine is a character that you categorically should not like. Yeah, like he is not a good dude at all. But you're attracted to him. But you love him because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And you're waiting <laughs> to see how he can get away with it. He's the Walter White of the DC world. And like, I, I such a good character. He's the best character of all time. I, I love him so much, and I. I don't, I don't, I wish the firewall was still up at Vertigo, um, so that they can keep him as a heroin addict and, and a complete asshole instead of having him run around with Scooby-Doo. Well, that's what, uh, I don't know. Snap, snap our car now, that's that role. <laughs> I didn't mean, Constantine is not the character that you put on the spaghetti hands. Can we get back to the questions? I'm sorry. Sorry. No, yeah, go ahead. I guess I can talk to Dr. Constantine. Yeah, what do you think? Are there any media that you think are, are there any types of media that you think are underutilized for horror? Because I think, for instance, I think that animation is underutilized for horror storytelling. But would you say, like, if it lends itself to a medium, then it works, right? And if it doesn't lend itself to a medium very easily, then it probably doesn't work as well, right? So. Animation, sure. There's no medium that you couldn't do horror in. I think um, video games are really good. At it. Yeah, games are good. Yeah. In fact, I've, you know, I've had a lot of experience working on games, and some of the stuff that we tried to do in like the Darkness, right? That was a great horror game. What uh, we did two of them, and um, you in a movie, you say don't go in there. In a video game, you have to go in. You get to go in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Feel yeah like that's it. great. So yeah, there's loads of things that you can do in games. Um, I don't, I don't think there's actually an answer to that because. Why is it that animation hasn't unlocked horror? Well, I think it's, it's business. So yeah, it is. I don't think it's it's not the medium; it's the business. Yeah. Um, I mean, the power has been to make the goon into it. Well, in Japan, the, Japan, which embraces animation differently than the American audiences have, they are, uh, are a decent amount of horror. Excuse me. Are we seeing with the goon? Oh no! I was just saying that the the goon. Uh, 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 it's been so hard for them to get that. It's so hard for them to make it's like a hard. It's a rate, uh, rated R. It's hard for them to make an R rated comedy. Yeah, animation. Film. And animation is still yeah. seen as a child's medium, right. kids medium. That's why you still have songs in most of them. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to launch uh, that stuff, which is why some of the weird animation is being done for, for cable and whatnot. Yeah, animation is a really safety net. I mean, I've done some animation writing. Uh, for television, and that, that it's a it's a weird safety net. Producers get super super nervous about anything. Animation is a perfect medium for horror. People aren't backing it. You'll see horror animation on the web. 
<clears throat> and it'll probably become just like comics. Comics are cheaper to make, so that you know, people can afford to take chances. With animation, it's an incredibly expensive endeavor with a lot of fingers and a lot of different people's wallets in it. And that's why you're not seeing musical comedies, uh, you know, that are not about princesses. You're not seeing much adventure R-rated. That's starting to break down a little bit. Yeah. Some foreign films that are coming in, something like The Good, but it's going to be years before there are regular R-rated movies of any kind uh, in animation. It's just not, it's the business. It's weird. They get gun shy about it. Yeah. Nobody will put money into it. Yeah. Questions? Do you think that uh, from our current situation, do you think horror is going to rise back up again? Because I know, like, oh, there was <laughs> fucking terrifying right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's when there's a spike in horror. Totally. It seems like there's the a 80s, spike. The 80s, yeah. Break in yeah. Way crazy. Horrors, yeah. yeah. I think horror's never going away, also. Yeah. I mean, there's so much material out of break in Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to, 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 like, talk about future projects that you're doing too much because then you kind of just give a game away. But I got, I got to be honest with you, I'm working on a project right now that we're about to do and it's all about two tribes tearing shit out of each other. Why? Because you see it every day. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I'm doing a book that's, that's a 100% response. It's going to come in. It's going to come in things that are what's cool designed to be like that. What's cool about the production of comics is that they're all made so far out so that like this summer you'll start to see the reactionary books to the some shit that went down last year. You can always kind of time it out. It's always about six months where those comics start to I think it's try not make it dated so that yeah. fifteen years from now people can you know, totally go, wow, well, you know, funny haircuts. Sure, but you say that but like yeah. my returns just straight up had Reagan in it. Well, so like, <laughs> we could have an argument about that at the bar, so I, you know, <laughs> well, I, I made a mistake of writing the word MySpace in one of my comments uh, one time uh, years ago. <laughs> no one has forgotten about it. Oh, uh, you're right, my MySpace. I realize it's not relevant now. Yeah. Just, I can, <laughs> it is nice though, digital lettering. You can yeah, sometimes, you can sometimes, sometimes go back in there yeah. and uh, get rid of that stuff. <laughs> I did a comic for MySpace. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to how to in, evoke particular reactions from uh, a reader, and so I I've come to a point where I'm trying to distinguish between what uh, how, how do I put this. There are different kinds of fear that you can invoke in an audience. Like, there's like an ambiguous kind of fear, like a kind of don't go in the basement kind of thing where you don't know what's going to happen, versus like uh, Michael Myers is right around the corner. And so, like, one is like uh, the, uh, the reader can can fear a very specific outcome or just feel kind of creeped out by a situation. Visceral or you, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, showing. Or showing or inferring. Is yeah. You know, like when it would be good to use those particular situations? Depends on the yeah, it, 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 it depends on really, I think it's what we've been talking about. Is that you found the, the, the base of the characters or the people that it's happening to. You know, if you, if you like, how do I explain this? Like, it's a very different reaction where um, if you have. I'm trying to give you the right way to say it. Okay, if you have a, a scene where Lois Lane is terrified of something, and then you have a scene where Superman is terrified of, of something, but you don't see what they're terrified of, 
just based on who those two people are, those are two very different things that they're scared of, right? Low as it can be anything, right? To scare the shit out of Superman, you're dealing with a whole other thing. So that's probably a bad example, but does anybody know what I'm saying? It starts with the, with the, the same thing that every story starts with, which is just character. And then how that character reacts is how your audience will react. Does that make sense? It, one specific thing I could add is that I find um, Jill actually doesn't like to, she likes horror movies, she does not like to paint gore, especially when it's animals. Okay, and the funny thing is she, she paints the most beautiful gore. Um, when she actually does, I like to actually nudge her out of her comfort zone. I don't do it as, I'm not playing games with you, with my collaborator, with my, my co-creator, but um, I'm like, Here's the thing, we're, a door is opening up in Beast of Burden, there's four dead dogs walking, trying to get in. It's, it's a kind of Return of the Living Dead joke beat, and it's also, it's a shock beat. The thing is, you've got to see the dead dogs. You don't want to infer the zombies. Zombies are never something that you generally infer. They're, they're at you, they're gross, how much makeup you do, yeah. whatever. The guts are out there. When there's uh, a dead boy's collection of trinkets he's taken from the animals he's killed and they're ripping his throat out i felt here's a moment where i could go cheap and we could show the animals you know lucio fulci would have the you know you'd have everything you can and people would go right on i don't you don't i don't you don't see a thing i want your mind to take this weird scene i want you to see the violence and then look at the trophy closet because there's a lot of details in there that I, on a second reading you probably get there's a, there's a thing that we call in the book Val, I call it Val Luton, the Val Luton moment, where you don't show the guy in the monster suit, because the monster suit's never gonna be as scary. Even if, yeah. even if it's a beautiful monster suit, like the alien suit, they don't show that alien as much as you think they do in that movie. Yeah. There's the cheat where you don't show the monster at all, like Blood Beach or something where they couldn't make it, or shouldn't have made it. And then there's the, what is Superman looking at? What is yeah. going on here? Let the person's mind figure out what the unthinkable is, because he will always be creepier than the drawing. You can draw as many tentacles and eyes as much yeah. gore, you can have dead babies, everything that freaks you out, but it will not stay with you. Yeah, and The Walking Dead, just really quick, because you touched on it, like, this, if you read the book or you watch the show, like, you know that the scariest parts of that show are never the zombies. It's never the zombies. It's, it's because it's, Man, it's, it's, the it's like the Walking Dead, like the like the title of the show or the comic it's, it's not referring to the zombies, it's referring to the people, right? It's the day of the walking dead because they're all gonna fucking die and you're gonna fall in love with all of them. And then, you know, um, a book like uh, The Better Road uh, by uh, Carmen, yeah, is horrifying, absolutely horrifying. And the two, the two characters are a father and a son who are, they've been there never been. You don't know anything about them, but you're just following through the thing. You know from the first paragraph of the opening page that they are not walking to anywhere. Like, there's no salvation. Like, there's no light at the end of this tunnel. And the whole book is just a, <laughs> just them crawling along trying to stay alive. But it's because you care about them. It's not about the, how scary the apocalypse is. It's how fucking terrifying it is to have a young son and trying to keep him alive during whatever that is, be it zombies or whatever. And maybe one other thing that might help you a little bit is, um, I think a little bit is in, in timing, right? Yeah. Um, so a uh, good example of that would be in the, the ring, the American version of the ring. 
actually did something that was halfway decent, getting off at least. Um, they have a good scene uh, where someone, like you know as an audience, you're going to a horror film, right? Yeah. So you kind of know what the deal is. You sit down, you've got to wait for the crazy little girl that you saw in the, in the previews, so you kind of know where you're going. By that point, they've already been going. So one of the first scenes in that movie is somebody uh, going into a fridge, and the way that the camera is angled, there's a hallway beyond the fridge door. So once you've opened the fridge door, the hallway's blocked out, and we're sitting there going, oh no, that crazy little girl's gonna be at the end of the hallway when she closes the fridge door. Or, or in fact, she, she hesitates at the fridge door for a second, and you're like, there's gonna be a head in there. Yeah, you're playing with the expectations. You're playing with expectations, so it's all about timing, and you open, she opens the door, she doesn't even look, and you're like, the moment she looks at the fridge, it's gonna be the head. Oh, horror films do this stuff all the time. In every single horror film, whenever someone goes into a room, they never close the door. There's that really nice scene in the first Halloween where you've just got somebody doing their laundry, and she moves across the shop, and when she moves back, you can see Michael Myers in the background. And when she moves, puts more laundry in there, yeah. he's gone. Yeah. That is That's unexpected. Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Japanese horror movies are really good mm -hmm. to watch for a balance of jump scares, shocks. I mean, not right now, it's in a bad place right now, but uh, the aughts and the 80s are pretty good for that because sometimes you want a jump scare, and I, I please burn it. God, do I hate it. Phone rings or uh, a cat gets thrown onto you. That thing is, well, no, hold on, the cat jumping on me. No, the cat, and you can see the cat was thrown by me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cat is yeah. pissed off. The cat jumps scare aliens are my favorite thing of all time. Also, the fact that Jones is a character, that's different, that's sure. different. I mean, the, the howling has a dog, I think, anyway, we can talk about that. <laughs> the thing is also, you gotta say, the closest thing we have a to a jump scare in comics is the page turn, yeah. or the scroll. And you can't really, this is most horror panels that I've, I've listened to or, or, or done, you can't really scare people. Not the way that you're going to make people scream yeah. and dates are going to read the comic together and huddle up yeah. to each other and go, oh my god, I know where he is. You do it on the page turn sometimes like the, I don't know how to pronounce it, the Avunk or the Avunk that Ellen Moore had in an issue with Swamp Thing. It's a real thing. It's uh, when they, they raid, it's in South America. They, it's fake, it's a cryptid type, you know, urban legend. They raise a child, turn his head back, turn his body around, and this backwards man is running at your character in the subway. It's it, it's out of the field, which is exactly how it works. It's yeah. one of the few jump scares in comics that I just went, what the, and I've never forgotten it. Yeah. Um, it's very, I mean, EC Comics only had so much room, so their jump scare is like in the last panel. So right. if you do what a lot of people do and scan the page, you're like, oh. Oh, she she chopped it. <laughs> so, the joke is, the, you see, comics are very good at that. In fact, the whole joke is the irony of, oh, she badgered me all this time. I stuffed a badger in her mouth. Uh, you know, things like that. He was worried about money. I stuffed him for money. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. She's henpecked. I'm henpecked. Whatever. People stink. But you don't. You really can't scare. You. I think you can unnerve. The only comics that really affect me as scary. I mean, well, Charles Burns sometimes. Uh, can really just build up a yeah. What the f hell is going on? It just makes you feel unsettled. There's a lot of people who do really good horror comics, but there's something about the you don't know where it's coming from. Japanese uh, uh, Junji Ito. Uh, I love his stuff because one page will be it'll be gore and then it'll be some shadowy thing mm. and he's texture crazy OCD and they made a lot of movies based on this stuff and they're all terrible pretty much. But I would check out Uzumaki, yeah. and I would check out, I'm a guy who was just nuts. It's, but 
movies, watch foreign movies because they have cliches that you don't know. That, this, this is for me, I mean, I don't know. If, but I, I watch it, I love Hong Kong action movies. You start watching Thai action movies or Turkish action movies, I don't know about that. But, but you will see things you've never seen before because America has its cliches in horror, in comedy. Eventually you'll get used to them in Japan, long hair. Um, right. uh, the fact that your main character would die a lot. There's a lot of sacrifice in, in Chinese, Korean, you know, comfort. They will just, people will die and that's it. And you're supposed to feel happy even though, you know, good one, but the village is burning. <laughs> but that's not American cliches. Our cliches, we don't have the samurai code. We don't have the sacrifice. We have the die hard, you know, shoot the whole building up and then walk away with the music, which is fun on its own level. But when you watch other horror movies, uh, Mexican, Italian, other years, you start to get a rip. Watch Balloon films if you want to. Uh, uh, Curse of the Demon is a great one. In fact, there's two versions of Curse of the Demon. Uh, it's on a DVD. Well, true, because the it, the filmmakers, the British filmmakers, put the, uh, uh, the monster in at the end on one version, and the other, you don't know if the person's crazy or not. You don't know if Dana Andrews, it's based on a Mr. James story, Cast in the Rooms, which is awesome. And you don't know if he's... This, these characters would be if it's like voodoo is it working by psychology or is there a monster you can watch both versions and see which one's more effective I think it's the one where they infer everything yeah usually sometimes you don't know and horror is a lot about not knowing yeah. you know David Lynch uh, and, and filmmakers like that you're like what the hell was that it'll stay with Robert Blake in Lost from Highway will stay with me forever I don't even like the movie that much but that is just nuts and phone calls with yourself, just weird stuff that shouldn't happen, you know? Just stuff that's off kilter, that's just wrong. To me, it's more horrifying. Um, you know, loss of identity, madness, something is wrong. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, there's a movie called Pulse that I would recommend, uh, Kiroshi Kurosawa. That's a movie that changes perceptions every like five, 10 minutes. It's a, it's a bit like The Ring because they were going through the fear of technology stuff. For a few years, my phone's haunted. My my DVD's gonna get me, yeah. you know. And my my pop up, my microwave, my rice cooker. But this one's really crazy because it goes into Lovecraftian, goes into cosmic horror at the end. And at the end, you're just going, I don't know what the hell I just saw. And there's scenes that are horrifying, and there's scenes, the scariest scene in there, you don't know what the hell you're looking at. It actually made everybody in a jokey room of you know beer drinking men and women go. Back that shit up. Back that shit up. Back that shit up is usually kung fu. It's usually back that shit up. I want to see the gorilla get its brains kicked out um, in, in the bloody apes. But we had to back it up three times. It was the first time it freaked us out so much that it was silent. And, we, and I have nightmares still over this. It's really well done. Sorry. Worth the top of the hour. Uh, thank you guys, uh, uh, Paul, Ali, uh, Evan. Uh, appreciate the time. Uh, uh, thank you, Paul and Donnie. You're uh, I, I'm going to be at the Heroes yeah. booth right yeah. now. Like 15 minutes yeah. from now. Yeah. Uh, the signing for our Heroes conference. Yeah. Uh, Evan, you're over at 1203. I don't know. I'm by the uh, web of the head. I have a very wimpy small parent. Small little by Elton. Well, thank you guys for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.